أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده ولا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمدا عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صلي وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another episode of our Tafsir page by page and inshallah ta'ala today we are on page 37 which is the second juz Surah Al-Baqarah in the previous episode, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned to us a number of rulings in the previous episode, the verses that we mentioned. Allah azza wa jal mentioned to us a number of rulings concerning divorce. And one of the key uh, takeaways or one of the key principles that Allah azza wa jal mentioned is that in all of those affairs, as we said, they should be done as Allah mentioned, in ظَنَّا إِنْ يُقِيمَ حُدُودَ اللَّهِ If the two of them, meaning the husband and the wife, so long as they feel sure and certain that they can uphold the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What we then understand from that, as we said, is that if they don't think that they can uphold the laws of Allah Azza wa Jal, if a husband or a wife thinks that it will lead them to oppression or lead them to not being able to fulfill the rights of their spouse, then they need to question themselves very seriously because the last thing that a person wants to do in terms of their marriage is that they turn away from Allah Azza wa Jal or it leads them to sin and disobedience or it leads them to a type of oppression. And that is because we know that there are three types of of, of oppression or three types of sin if you like the greatest form of oppression is the oppression of shirk as Allah mentions in the Quran in the shirk indeed shirk is the greatest of all oppression and that is the oppression that Allah will never forgive and the person who perpetrates it will be in the fire the second type of oppression is the oppression that a person does between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala meaning they sin and it's a private sin doesn't affect anyone else and those are the sins and the types of oppression that it is up to Allah Azza wa If he wishes to forgive, he may do so. And if he wishes to punish for them, he may do so. But if a person makes tawbah and turns to Allah Azza wa he will forgive them. And the third type of oppression is the oppression between people. I oppress someone else. I withhold the rights of someone else. That type of oppression, that oppression is only righted when that wrong that has been done is righted. So yes, there is an element of tawbah that you turn to Allah Azza wa Jalla and seek forgiveness. But from that tawbah and from that repentance and forgiveness is that you must right the wrong of the person that you wronged. And that is difficult to do sometimes and in certain circumstances. So therefore, if you think that you will, it will lead you into that place, into that area where you're going to be oppressing people, and then it may be very difficult for you to rectify those wrongs, or that person may be unwilling to forgive you for the wrongs that you did, then perhaps it's better that you don't go into that type of marriage or continue with that type of marriage. In verse 231, which is the first verse on this page, uh, Allah Azza wa continues with the same theme. We're still speaking about the theme of marriage and divorce and so on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا طَلَّقَتُمُ النِّسَاءَ فَبَلَغْنَ أَجَلَهُنَّ فَأَمْسِكُوهُنَّ بِمَعْرُوفٍ أَوْ سَرِّحُوهُنَّ بِمَعْرُوفٍ when you divorce women and they reach their set time, then either keep them or release them in a fair manner. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring here to the divorce as we said, with divorce, when a person divorces or the husband divorces the wife, she enters into a waiting period. In that waiting period, he may take her back or he may allow the waiting period to elapse. 
he can do this a maximum of three times. After the third time, that divorce becomes final and binding. As we said, Allah Azzawajal mentions, until the wife marries another husband in a legitimate marriage and they happen to legitimately divorce, then the first husband and wife or that first husband may uh, may marry his ex-wife, the woman who's now his ex-wife, his first wife, again, if they so choose and if they think that they can uphold the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In this verse 231, we're speaking about that waiting period. So after the first divorce or the second divorce, that waiting period, Allah Azzawajal says, and they have reached their set time, meaning that waiting period that we said, the thalatha quru' that we mentioned in the previous episode, those three monthly periods, those that, that is the set time that Allah Azzawajal is referring to. Meaning that before she reaches the end of that set time, you have a choice, O husband. Amsikuhunna bi ma'roof. Keep her in a good manner, a fair manner. O sirrihuhunna bi ma'roof. Release her in a fair manner. Whatever you do, do it with ma'roof, meaning in a good way. The word ma'roof means something which is good, something which is acceptable in the customs of the people, what they consider to be fair and right and just. And Allah doesn't specify because people's customs differ. The way people are in their customs and in their times, and it differs. So Allah leaves it to the people and their customs and their practices. But he says the word ma'roof within it means that it must be fair and that it must be good. So if the custom is evil, if the custom is oppressive, if the custom goes against the principles of the Sharia, then it is no longer ma'roof. Because ma'roof must be something which is good, which is fair, and something which is acceptable to the people. And that is why Allah Azza wa then mentions this even more explicitly. And he says, وَلَا تُمْسِكُوهُنَّ Do not hold on to them with the intention of harming them and committing aggression. Don't just keep those wives so that you can harm them. Don't keep them to oppress them. And this is what we uh, what we mentioned in the previous episode, that sometimes people, and especially men and husbands, when they consider themselves to be the leader of the household, have authority over the people in their house and in their family, they consider themselves to be kings that must be obeyed, that their rule is absolute, that there can be no one that can speak out against them, no one that can have a different opinion other than theirs. And that is a cultural understanding that we have in some cultures. It is a mindset that some people take these verses of the Qur'an and they apply them according to their whims and desires, not because that is what the Sharia uh, commanded or legislated. And if you want to understand this correctly, then look no further than the example of the Prophet ﷺ. How often did the Prophet ﷺ consult his wives? Didn't the Prophet ﷺ after first receiving revelation in the cave of Hira? from all of the people that he could have gone to. He had his uncle Abu Talib, he had his uncle, other uncle Abbas, he has his other uncle Hamza, he has his close friend Abu Bakr, he has people, many people in Mecca that he knows. From all of those people, he went and chose to go back to his wife Khadija radiallahu anha. And that is how a marriage should be. That the husband and the wife come together for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They married one another so that together they could find the, the path that is pleasing to Allah azza wa jal and lead one another to Jannah. Help one another to get to Jannah and then by extension their children and their family. So if the husband is going to be a ruler in that sense of the word, a dictator within his household, almost like a despot in the sense that he doesn't allow anyone to do anything except by his express will and desire, then that's going to be something which leads to oppression and harm. And so, yes, he has rights. Yes, he has authority. Yes, Allah has given him a station. But that station is one of responsibility. It is a station in which he must understand that now more than ever, he should be fair and just as opposed to being oppressive. 
And so Allah Azawajal says that if by holding on to your spouse is going to lead to aggression, transgression, then don't do so. And whosoever does that, then they have wronged themselves. They have committed oppression. And as we said, that type of oppression is the one that Allah Azawajal does not forgive until you right that wrong that's been done. And when you oppress people in a relationship, even if afterwards you separate, afterwards there is divorce because of the harm that's done and the emotional impact that it has, it is very rare or it is not very rare, but it is likely to be the case in many cases or likely to be in many cases that those people will be unwilling to forgive, unwilling to show that level of of forbearance and patience because of the harm that was done to them and what they had to live through on a constant basis, on a daily basis. And so beware of this. Beware of this type of oppression. And that is why you find, as the Sharia commands, as Allah Azza wa commands when He says in another verse, وَلَا تَنْسَوُ الْفَضْلَ بَيْنَكُمْ That if you happen to divorce, then don't forget the good times that you had. Don't forget the favor that you had over one another. Yes, there was hardship, and no doubt you divorced because of those hardships, but weren't there also times that were good? Weren't there good points and so on? And that's obviously speaking about the general marriage, not in the case where one spouse is abusive and harmful and violent and so on. But generally speaking, when there is divorce, yes, there are hardships, but there were good things as well. Don't let that become a problem where it leads to oppression. And so always bear in mind what Allah Azza wa commands and what is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Azza wa says, وَلَا تَتَّخِذُوا آيَاتِ اللَّهِ هُزُوَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and don't make a mockery of Allah's signs and His verses. And from making a mockery is what people do, as I said, in terms of the husband thinking that he has a kingdom to rule. And he says, no, but Allah said, and Allah said, and Allah gave me the, and Allah, and that's what he does. And so he uses it not for to please Allah Azza wa not to fulfill the rights of others, but to fulfill his own desires and his temptations and other ways that people try to manipulate the rulings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As we said before, sometimes people go into a sham marriage or some type of a fake marriage simply to make something halal, which otherwise would be haram, as we mentioned in the previous episode of the issue of divorce and a woman getting married to another man before she goes back to her first husband. These types of issues are not from the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and therefore should be refrained from. Allah Azza wa Jal then says, وَذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ وَمَا أَنزَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ مِنَ الْكِتَابِ وَالْحِكْمَةِ يَعِذُكُمْ بِهِ Allah Azza wa says, remember the favor that He blessed you with and the scripture and wisdom that He sent down upon you in order to remind you. It is from the greatest blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah Azza wa legislated for us in all of these affairs. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, had He wished, could have said that He would only legislate in ibadah, in worship, pray like this, fast like this, make hajj like this. But in terms of everything else, in terms of your wives and in terms of your marriages and divorces, in terms of your children, in terms of your business dealings, leave it open. And that would have caused a great deal of oppression and corruption. And people would have said, no, but Allah said it's up to us. And so we can do as we please. And so people would have gone back to their customs, gone back to their rulings, gone back to their temptations and desires and so on. From the mercy of Allah Azza wa is that He gave to us knowledge from the Quran and the wisdom that was given to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Sunnah which explains the Quran that highlights and legislates in all of these issues and affairs. So we know then for surety that this is the Sharia of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, this is the command of Allah Azza wa And so therefore we know that this is oppression. And if you do this, you have oppressed and transgressed. And if you do this, then it is halal and it is legislated. Remember the blessings of Allah Azza wa Jal and what He gave to you of that knowledge. Allah And fear Allah and know 
that he has full knowledge of everything. Know that Allah knows what you hide and what you conceal. Know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows your intention at the time of what it is, of, of when you do something. Allah knows the intention. If in your heart it is the intention to harm, even though you may profess and outwardly appear to, to want something else, Allah knows your intention and Allah knows that which you hide. In the next verse, verse 232, Allah says, still on this theme of divorce, وَإِذَا طَلَّقَتُمُ النِّسَاءَ فَبَلَغْنَ أَجَلَهُنَّ فَلَا تَعْضُلُوهُنَّ أَنْ يَنْكِحْنَ أَزْوَاجَهُنَّ إِذَا تَرَاضَوْا إِذَا تَرَاضَوْا بَيْنَهُمْ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ When you divorce women and they have reached their set time, do not prevent them from remarrying their husbands if they both agree to do so in a fair manner. This is speaking now, this verse is speaking towards the wali, to the guardian of the woman. And the guardian of the woman, as we know in the marriage contract, the woman needs a guardian, a wali, for the marriage contract. Whether that's her father, whether that's her brother, maybe a son, if the son is old enough, a grandfather, paternal uncle, these people are considered to be the awliya. Usually speaking, it is the father. And he is the one who will make the contract or give the verbal contract with the, uh, with the husband. Allah Azza wa Jalla is addressing these, these, these awliya now, these guardians, and saying that if the woman happens to be divorced, and there's a waiting period as we know, and the waiting period elapses, those three monthly periods, as we said before in the previous episode, once in the three monthly period waiting, uh, waiting time, or that set limit of three monthly periods, the husband can take back his wife, and he doesn't need to give a new contract, new marriage, new dowry, new witnesses, or anything. That is his choice. But if the three monthly period time elapses, that time finishes now, Maybe after six months, he realizes, actually, I made a mistake. I want to get married now. I want to go back and get married to my first wife. He must now make a new contract. So again, the wali must be involved. There must be two witnesses. There must be a dowry and so on and so forth. In order for this now to take place, he needs the consent of the guardian. The guardian has to play, play his role. The Allah is saying here that if that is the case, and both the husband and the wife who are now divorced, both of these people, the man and the woman, they want to reconcile. They want to get married again. They want to try again. And they think that they can do so upholding the laws of Allah Azza wa Jal. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, then do not prevent them from doing so. You, O guardian, don't prevent them from doing so. And it is mentioned uh, that one of the causes of revelation for this verse is what is mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam that there was a companion whose sister got divorced. He happened to be her guardian. Their, their father had passed away, or maybe he was one Muslim, Allah knows best. But the point is, he was the guardian now of the sister. And her husband divorced her. And the waiting period elapsed. The husband then came back and he said that I want to marry her again. And his sister, who was the wife, she said, I'm happy to marry him as well. But the guardian, the brother, he said, no by Allah, no. You married my sister and then you discarded her. Do you think that I will let her go back into that kind of marriage and like go through that whole thing again? Allah Azza wa then revealed this first. Don't prevent them from doing so. Maybe he feels sorry now. He has remorse. He understands and appreciates her value. Sometimes when you're in a marriage or you're in a situation, a relationship, and you're in it every single day, it is difficult to step away. And that is why Islam gives these waiting periods, gives these moments of separation so that you can go and think by yourself. Come out of that situation, stand back, and think about it. For some people, it takes longer. 
three months is not enough, takes six months, takes nine months, he thinks and he sees, can I get married to someone else, can I find, and he realizes actually that first wife was amazing. Maybe she was good for me and I just need to rectify my own character, be patient with certain things because everyone has positives and negatives and so therefore I need to learn to appreciate her positives and look over some of the faults that I have and that she has and so on. And so Allah said, don't be from those people who prevent those types of marriages if they're going to do so in a good and fair manner. Allah says, let those of you who believe in Allah in the last day take this to heart. That is more wholesome and purer for you. For indeed Allah knows and you do not know. And so Allah Azza wa Jal therefore gave this instruction and this is from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. That Allah Azza wa Jal is instructing that the, sometimes the wali, the guardian looks for his own, uh, his own interests. The guardian fears his own reputation, his own standing in the community. The guardian fears, what will people say about me? How will my family look upon me? Allah is saying that your role as the guardian is not to look out for your own well-being. It's to look out for the well-being of that woman that is under your care, whether it's your daughter or your sister, whoever it may be. Look out for her. And if you find that this man is good and she is happy to be with him, and yes, they may have got divorced for one reason or another, but they're sincere and they want to try again, then trust your affairs to Allah Azza wa Jal and allow them to do so because the last thing that you want is that they fall into some type of haram. The final verse on this page, verse 233, Allah Azza wa Jal then says, and this time now concerning the children who may come about as a result of a divorce. So the husband and wife divorce and they have a young child. وَالْوَالِدَاتُ يُرْضِعْنَ أَوْلَادَهُنَّ حَوْلَيْنِ كَامِلَيْنِ لِمَنْ أَرَادَ أَنْ يُتِمَّ الرَّضَاعَ Allah says, and the mothers suckle their children for two whole years if they wish to complete the term. Allah Azza wa Jal says that the suckling of the child is for a two-year period. It is allowed for them, as Allah Azza wa Jal will mention uh, in this verse, allowed for them to stop the suckling before that at any time that they choose. But the maximum period is the two years. For those people who wish to complete that term. And the clothing and maintenance must be borne by the father in a good and fair manner for the child. So that child, so now the husband and the wife, they've divorced. The mother and father, the child have divorced. The child is young, it's a newborn. That child needs to be suckled and needs to be cared for. The father is responsible because it's still his son or daughter. He's responsible for the food and the clothing and responsible for the mother in terms of her suckling that child, what she needs in terms of being able to suckle that child in a way that is correct. And that is why the hadith of Hind radiallahu anha, the wife of Abu Sufyan radiallahu anha, when they later both accepted Islam after the conquest of Mecca, she came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and she said, O Messenger of Allah, my husband is stingy, meaning Abu Sufyan. He doesn't give me what's enough for me and my children. The Prophet ﷺ said, take what is enough for you and your children in a fair manner. Bil ma'roof. And so therefore it is the responsibility of the husband to provide or the father to provide for his children. Even after divorce, they are still his children. And so Allah says that that is something which they must bear. لا تكلف نفس إلا وسعها No one should be made, no one should be burdened with more that they can bear. Allah says that this is something which Allah has placed upon them. And so the one who is obviously more wealthy will give more. 
and the one who has less will give less. Each person according to their own circumstance. And therefore it depends upon the, the, the living standard of that family. So someone, for example, who is from a wealthy family, got married to a wife as well from a wealthy family, their living standards are different to a person who's from a relatively normal, average income family or a poor family. Every one of them is different, and so each one according to their own standards and their own uh, their own situation. Allah Azza wa Jalla then says, لا تضار والدة بولدها ولا مولود له بولده. Allah Azza wa Jalla says. No mother should be made to suffer harm on account of her child, nor any father on account of his. The usual practice, as we know, even though things in our time are slightly different, but the usual practice is that for a newborn child, the mother would suckle that child. This is before they had formula milk and all of these other alternatives that we have in our time. Historically, and even today in many parts of the world, it is the mother that suckles the child. Allah is saying that the mother shouldn't be harmed on account of her child. In the sense that the father doesn't help provide for her in terms of giving the suckling to the child or in some way prevents her from suckling the child. Nor should the mother harm the father by refusing to suckle his child because it's her child as well. Meaning the child shouldn't be used as some type of a an object for one to oppress the other, for one parent to oppress the other. And sometimes people do this. They use, especially in times of divorce, if their divorce has been a difficult one, they use their children as bargaining chips. The children are the ones who are emotionally manipulated so that they can harm one spouse or another. So when they're with the father, he's bad-mouthing the mother. And he's telling them, oh, she did this and she's like that. Be careful of this. And now that child thinks, oh, this is my mother. This is how she is. She behaves. And then when the child goes back to the mother, she says the same thing about the father. The child now, what's his role or her role? They've essentially become the bargaining chip or they've become the object in the middle that each one is playing playing a tug of war with. And therefore, they're harming the child more than they're benefiting anyone else. They don't get much from that but they're harming their child. Don't use your children in that way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, وَعَلَى الْوَارِثِ مِثْلُ ذَارِكِ And likewise the same is incumbent upon the father's heir, meaning that if the father happens to pass away and that child is young and needs suckling, then the one who inherits from that father, so for example his brothers, his own father, the grandfather, the child, whoever is the person that inherited from them, from the inheritance is a responsibility as well. And they must fulfill that responsibility because that child still needs looking after. فَإِنْ أَرَادَ فِصَالًا عَنْ تَرَاضٍ مِّنْهُمَا وَتَشَاوُرٍ فَلَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْهِمَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And if by mutual consent and consultation, the couple wish to wean the child, then there is no blame to be upon them. Meaning that if the husband and wife agree, as is often the case in many marriages, that the, the mother doesn't want to suckle the child for the whole two-year period. That's the maximum limit. Maybe they want to do it for a year, for nine months, for six months, for whatever it may be. And so they agree, that's fine. As in most marriages, most parents, you know, most spouses, husbands and wives will do, then that is something which is permissible. So Allah Azza wa Jalla set a limit for the suckling, but it doesn't mean that you can't do this. It is open, therefore. And so it is misunderstanding that some people have with this verse that they like, they feel that it is an obligation upon them to do it for two years. And that sometimes becomes difficult, sometimes becomes very tiring. Sometimes maybe uh, the mother finds it extremely burdening or physically too much for her. Allah Azza wa Jalla says, no, that is a choice that you have. If you wish to stop before that, then there is no harm in doing so. وَإِنْ أَرَدْتُمْ أَنْ تَسْتَرْضِعُوا أَوْلَادَكُمْ فَلَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْكُمْ إِذَا سَلَّمْتُمْ مَا آتَيْتُمْ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ 
And Allah Azzawajal says, And nor is there any blame if you wish to engage a witness, provided you pay as agreed in a fair manner. And also from that which is allowed is to have someone else suckle the child, what we call a witness, a murdi'ah, as the Prophet ﷺ had himself when he went to Halima in the desert and she was his witness uh, and she suckled him for a period of time until he was returned back to his family ﷺ. It was the practice of the Arabs and it is still the practice today in a number of cultures as well that other than the mother may suckle the child. And there are certain rules that then take place, certain ahkam and rulings that come into effect when a child is suckled from another mother. They essentially become, or another woman rather, they essentially become a type of family and there is a type of relationship that takes place. So there are consequences to that as well. But it is something which Allah Azza wa has allowed and made halal and permissible in this religion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then concludes this verse by saying, be mindful of Allah, fear Allah, and know that Allah sees everything that you do. So just as the husband and wife in issues of marriage should uphold the laws of Allah and not oppress one another, then likewise the children of that marriage that now have to go through that divorce period and sometimes and many times that affects the child more than it affects the parents, those people and especially those young children should also be borne in mind in terms of their rights and in terms of their interests and what benefits them as well. And with that, inshallah ta'ala, we come to the end of today's episode. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم